Yeah. Welcome to the first official episode of Name Two Bands with Andy and Andy. My name is yeah, Andy yeah. Brown. On the other line is the one Andy and only, Sanford. The man, the myth, the legend. How are you doing, Andy? I'm awesome. Outstanding. I guess we'll uh, take a second just to introduce this podcast. It actually uh, comes from kind of a MySpace sort of meme uh, that was on Facebook. And you posted it, and I saw... You were getting a lot of responses, and it looked like fun, so uh, I posted the same thing on my Facebook page and got over uh, 500 replies, um, Yeah, and somebody was like, uh, hey, you should do a music podcast, I'd subscribe, and I was like, well, I'm not going to do a freaking podcast where it's just me, that would be like boring for me, and then I asked you if you would want to do it, and, and I was like, no, yeah, I don't want to do it. That sounds like work. and of course once i assured you that i would handle all the uh ins and outs and tech and whatnot and now it's fun yeah yeah it has been fun so far for sure and how uh, could that be this is our first episode oh that's right yeah we've never done this before (laughs) (laughs) just a little background um we've known each other for we figured out the other night over 15 years yeah, about 17 years or so. Yeah, something like that. 16, 15, yeah. 16. And we met on the message board for Out of the Park Baseball. Shout out, Out of the Park Baseball. If you're a fan Super of... Super nerd uh, baseball game. Yeah. Uh, text-based baseball management simulation. You don't actually control any of the players. So It's got nice it, graphics now, though. Yeah, it does. has 3D graphics, even. Not as good as football manager's graphics, but still pretty good. Yeah, but, you know... Soccer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and as I said, my name is Andy Brown. I live in Twin Falls, Idaho. Um, I work at a local family business. I'm not including the name of it in uh, my podcast that I'm doing because I'm not sure they want to be associated with any of this. And I really don't have any music expertise other than listening to a lot of music, reading a lot about music. Um, I can play a few chords on the guitar that's about it on the other hand andy yes you are a musician yeah i've been uh playing guitar for about uh 29 years now and i've played in a bunch of bands and released a bunch of albums that are all on the internet i also spent about seven years working at a couple different record stores where i was basically paid to talk about music and listen to music all day long so that was pretty awesome so that's 
why I'm qualified to do this. All right. <laughs> and your first band was Pickman's Model? Uh, my first band was called Black Rabbit. And then uh, that band actually played out shows and recorded a demo and stuff. And then Pickman's Model was like the first band I had that actually released stuff. And then I went to Plaster, which turned into Quaylone, which turned into Telestrion, which is the current main band. And we have a, a new album coming out on 420 with Mick Shrimpton from Spinal Tap on the drums. Yeah, you know, you mentioned that um, the last time that we talked, that uh, you guys have Mick Shrimpton on the drums. And I, I missed it. I missed it. Um, yeah, and, and he totally didn't spontaneously combust the whole week in the studio. Yeah, that's amazing. I was wondering how you guys hooked that up. Uh, Facebook. Well, the, uh, it's, the story starts... I saw an ad in a uh, music magazine back in the like mid 2000s, and it was Rick Parnell, who is Mick Shrimpton, and he also played in uh, bands like Atomic Rooster and Horse, and he played drums on uh, Mickey by Tony Basil. It's probably his most famous drum part. Anyhow, he had a little classified ad that said, you know, um, available for session work. So I told my friend Brian, who's like my musical partner in Telestrion, you know, someday we got to record some music with Rick Parnell. How awesome would that be? So fast forward like five years and I've connected with him on Facebook and he's pretty active on Facebook, kind of like a um, C-level George Takai posting funny shit all the time. But um, I was like, hey, if I can pay you, would you come to Atlanta and record with my band? And he was like, sure, mate. <laughs> and yeah. uh you know, it, it took a little while, but we made it happen. Right on. That's awesome. So you also have uh, extensive solo work, too, correct? Yeah, I've been doing um, solo recordings for probably about 26 years now and got kind of serious about it around 2000 and started actually putting out albums and stuff and selling them at my band's gigs, which kind of irritated my band sometimes but uh you know whatever and uh so yeah i've just been kind of constantly upgrading my little bedroom home studio and recording music along the way and putting it all on Bandcamp. yeah it's funny you should mention that because in the description to this show and uh on the right hand side of the page um where there is a link section we will have the links to all of your music available if anybody wants to check it out there's a lot and a lot of it's free, so. And there it's all go. good. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> all of it that I've heard is good. So I'm not just saying awesome. that, Thank everyone, you. by the way. That's absolutely true. And in fact, yeah, no, I, I uh, you, are, you are responsible for that theme song. Oh, yeah, that's right. And, and that's like kind of the demo version. And there will be a more complete version eventually. But this is like the, the early years version. Yeah, this is the one that... Uh, Five years down the road, the heads will know about that yeah. there was a there was an intro that didn't have that a early demo version. was way better than yeah, the yeah. real one, man. <laughs> they sold out. Fuckers uh, added drums. What the hell is that shit? <laughs> it was way better when it was just Andy and his guitar, man. Yeah, man. So, um, I guess we'll start with the good here which was that the Atlanta Falcons played a football game on Saturday. Yeah, it was won. exciting. Yeah, they won. It was a good game. Shut down the best offense in football. Yeah, 
Yeah, they did. And uh, now they move on to face the Vikings, who... No, Eagles. Oh, do they play the Eagles? Yeah, and and a backup quarterback. Yeah, they're in the championship game then, I would say. Yeah. I think it's going to be a uh, Vikings-Falcons 99 rematch. Could be. I I could see the Saints beating the Vikings. I I don't really trust uh, Case Keenum. It's going to be good. Yeah, and if it's the Saints and Falcons, that would be a hell of a matchup. Definitely. Then, tonight, Georgia kind of played Alabama in the national championship game. It was pretty rough. Yeah. For most of the game... Georgia was in complete control, but <laughs> like the Falcons in the Super Bowl, Hillary Clinton in the election, and Louis C.K.'s career, <laughs> the Bulldogs collapsed. Yeah, it's a um, Georgia thing, I guess. Fortunately, I'm not attached to the Bulldogs like I am the Falcons, so it wasn't uh, that painful to watch. So, I was thinking about this. Is the only Georgia team... To win a uh, sports championship in your lifetime, uh, the Braves. 1995. Yeah, and just the one. Yeah, yeah, it was a good run for the Braves. Uh, that was fun going to the playoffs every year. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Greg Maddox, Tom Glavin, all those guys. But yeah, a lot of uh, seasons ending in heartbreak. And, you know, before that, I was a Browns fan. So I, I, I became a Browns fan just before those uh, two years with the Broncos games. So. Ooh, ouch. I'm just, I know about pain and loss in sports. It just, it doesn't hurt anymore. Yeah. Well, I was going to say that I'm a Knicks fan. Um, the only time, well, they made the uh, finals twice in my lifetime. Usually they've been a dumpster fire. I was a Cubs fan. So obviously they won two years ago. So that was great. But before that, that it was nothing but terror. And then I was a <laughs> Seahawks fan who won a, Super Bowl finally a couple of years ago. So I guess lately I've had a couple championships, but for a long time I was in the same boat. I think the Falcons are going to win it all this year. It's possible. They've still got Matt Ryan. They've Falcons still got over Steelers. Julio Jones. I said it here first. All right. Falcons over Steelers. What's going to happen to the Patriots? They're going to lose to the Steelers. Are they? That's a bold prediction. <laughs> I am bold. <laughs> like shunt. <laughs> Ookst. <laughs> Inside jokes. Yeah. Are you for the mall, Andy? <laughs> I'm always for the mall. Absolutely, my me too. Speaking of the mall, uh on Saturday night I took my son to the mall and we checked out Star Wars The Last Jedi, which I had not seen as yet. Awesome. And there are gonna be spoilers, everyone. I've so, seen it three times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah okay spoiler alert if you haven't seen last jedi go see it first of all we'll, we'll go see it yeah right and now we'll figure what, out what how much doing? time you need to fast forward no i'm not gonna in the podcast i don't care can't really talk about it without spoiling it yeah they should just go watch it yeah uh, so yeah i thought it was extremely good and I, I just watched it once. You've seen it three times, but I would say yeah. that it's uh, the best one other than Empire. I agree. Right on. And considering that I really don't remember my Empire movie-going experience from my youth, I have to say that Last Jedi is the best movie-going experience I've ever had in my life. Wow. That's bold. I don't, I don't know if I can say that, but it was outstanding. Aside maybe taking a, a bong to the parking lot, 
before uh, Days of Confused premiere. <laughs> that was pretty awesome. I'm sure. Days of Confused, we're, we're taking the bong. I went to a couple movies uh, on acid at points in the past, and those were, uh, those were pretty extremely good. I don't think that would be a good experience for me. No? I, I'm not... I'm not good with um, psychedelics in public. Yeah, yeah, that's hit and miss for sure. I did take a little bite of a mushroom chocolate for a Radiohead show oh, in Rainbows Tour. Killer. So yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, and for a couple Ween shows, but well, I don't think I could do a movie. Isn't that kind of required for a Ween show? I mean, no, be nothing's something. required for a Ween show. Nah. Makes it better, I'm sure. All the music is all you need. Well, yeah. Oh, sure. I, I love Ween, but... Yeah, so. seeing them in Colorado with um, all kinds of Colorado goodies was a good time. I'll bet. <laughs> then it was an extremely <laughs> good time. So we're getting a little uh, far afield here, but you just reminded me of something. There's like this uh, columnist for the New York Times named Maureen Dowd. I don't know if you saw this. It was a few years ago. She went to uh, report on legal marijuana in Colorado and she'd never smoked before. So <laughs> she went to a dispensary and bought an edible and then proceeded to eat the whole thing. And proceeded to go to sleep. Proceeded to freak out. <laughs> yeah, the freak out and then the sleep. Yeah. And uh so her column was uh why weed is dangerous and uh should be against the law. Because she was a dumbass and didn't talk to uh, the person at the dispensary and say, hey, I've never done marijuana before. What should I do? I did notice in Colorado that they had a lot of warnings about the edibles. Like, uh, take it slow with these. See see what they do before you eat the whole thing. Well, yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a whole meme on Twitter where someone uh, posts, like, a picture and it's like... Uh, um, I don't think this edible has done shit and like someone looking normal and then it's like a half an hour later and there's some crazy <laughs> scene, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And anyway, circling back to The Last Jedi. So the thing that I really, really liked about it is uh, there's that line that Kylo Ren has where he says, uh, I don't remember it exactly now, something like uh, get rid of the past or forget the past. Um, kill it if you have to kill it if you have to yeah and i think that's actually what this film was attempting to do to an extent with like the expectations that people have of star wars like it's got to be just like remember it and yada yada um and there's that uh that scene where uh luke goes and milks that creature and it's like the blue milk from A New Hope and then he just immediately like takes a swig and looks like directly at the camera (laughs) (laughs) this is where the blue milk came from guys (laughs) good shit yeah it just it kind of uh, subverted what I think people were uh, expecting it to do and I guess that's why uh, all the nerds were all pissed off about it yeah like the uber hardcore Star Wars for life fanboys seem to be the uh, majority percentage of the people who are super upset about it. Yeah, because most people clearly aren't upset about it. It's 
Over I mean, well, it was it was, so it was low on Rotten Tomatoes, but I think that's because all the Uber fanboys made sure they had to post about how much they didn't like it. Yeah. Yep. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. Um, what up, puppy dog? Um, and I I also really liked that uh, um, the uh, Code Cracker character when he like pulls the stuff up and says like, "Yeah, how do you think these guys made their money?" First oh yeah, selling uh, to both sides. Yeah, sold arms to the empire and uh, sell arms to the resistance. Because that's obviously what would happen. That's how it works in real life. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. So yeah, I really liked it, and of course, I mean, yeah, all kinds of cool shit like uh, jumping into hyperspace right into uh, Snoke's ship. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, that was fantastic. <laughs> My favorite part was. The return of the beloved character. The return of the beloved character? Yoda. Oh, yeah. Yoda. He was awesome. He was good. I, I didn't think the uh, CGI looked the best. But it was a puppet. Was it a puppet? Yeah. I guess maybe that's why it looked weird, because I thought yeah, it was CGI. Yeah, CGI. <laughs> <laughs> that explains it. It's Frank Oz doing his thing. Yeah. I, another thing I really liked is that uh, they had kind of uh, hinted at in the trailers that, oh, maybe Kylo Ren would turn to the good side or maybe Rey would turn to the dark side. Um, and, of course, in the film itself, they kind of made it look like it could go either way. And then it, they killed, or uh, Kylo Ren killed Snoke. And then they killed all those Imperial Guards together. And, like, nothing changed. It was just kind of status quo. They teamed up for a moment, and then Kylo revealed his true colors. Yep. Although he uh, does seem to have the hots for A. That's something to watch. I think my favorite scene besides the uh, Yoda was the... um when they trained all guns on Luke and he was flipping out. <laughs> Put all guns on that man! Yep. Then he just brushes it off his shoulder. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. That was good. And the Star Wars fanboys really didn't like uh, how Luke was handled in this one. I thought it was awesome. I love that he was astral projecting and that that took up like all his life force to do that. And he had just enough strength to become one with the Force. Yeah, and it, the thing that uh, I guess they didn't like was that he was, like, all war-weary and, like, racked with guilt. And uh, he didn't want to train uh, Ray, which, honestly, to me, seems like a pretty natural thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and made sense to me, I guess. Yeah. He just wasn't the Luke Skywalker they were expecting well i mean you know after you think you've created the next darth vader and fucked everything up and you just want to like like you said you want to go hide and die yep yeah makes sense to me (laughs) (laughs) like i said uh i liked that it kind of subverted i think what people were expecting anyway you guys if you haven't seen star wars the last jedi you should go check it out now that you're spoiled now that you're completely spoiled However, this is not a music podcast. Or excuse me. Yes, it is. This is not a movie. It's not a movies podcast. podcast. Not a movies podcast. So, in music news. um, Music. 
I read today that Radiohead is suing Lana Del Rey. And they say that her song, Get Free, Nick's Creep. And we talked about this pre-show, and we both agreed. Yeah, it, it absolutely does. It's the same tune. It totally does. Yep. And Creep totally nicks the air that I breathe by the Hollies. Yep. In fact, they lost a lawsuit to the Hollies. And Albert... Right. Ha- yeah. Albert Hammond and Mike Hazelwood are listed as co-writers for the song and split all the and, royalties with them. And I think it's their publishers who are behind this lawsuit. Yeah, I'd assume so. I'd assume The so. news is totally, like, just bending it into, Radiohead is suing Lana Del Rey. It's probably actually the same publishers that sued Radiohead and now have a part of Radiohead, that Radiohead song. Now they're suing Lana Del Rey. That would make perfect sense, yeah. Yeah, because they can make more money that way. And I guess uh, Lana Del Rey actually offered um, up to 40% of the royalties for it in perpetuity. And right. they, they said, no, we want 100%. And that, I mean... Yeah. They'll probably get whatever uh, Tom Petty got from Sam Smith. That was the last big lawsuit like this I heard about. Yeah, and it, I mean, and it happens all the time. Like, well, obviously, you know, you're a musician. Like, It's I'm usually not, just the publishers, though. Well, I'm, I'm not talking about the lawsuits. Um, the musicians know how the shit works. Yeah, I just, yeah, you like subconsciously make things. The good ones borrow and the great ones steal. <laughs> Like I said last time, I guess Led Zeppelin's fucking fantastic. Uh, <laughs> well, gen- generally regarded as so. We'll get to them some other episode. But. Some other episode, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I, like, I mean, the Beatles nick stuff, the Stones nick stuff, everybody does it. And it, I don't think in, in the vast majority of cases that it's even intentional. It started with the blues. That's how things work you heard something you took that and made it your own yeah that's the history of folk music right same with folk same with blues yeah any uh oral tradition that just gets passed down that's even probably uh mozart ripping off Bach. you know it's probably <laughs> been going way back probably probably i like this passage here Oh, it it definitely happened with stories. I mean, do you think uh, yeah. like the Bible started out the same way that it ended up getting printed by King James? Well, even more relevant now, all the all the Disney mo- movies. Yeah, for sure. They've been adapted or, from public domain stories. Or Star Wars, in fact. Yeah. Yeah, uh, George Lucas openly said that he read about all these different like heroic stories and he just modeled it after that and it's a great story so it all works out yeah so so yeah they'll they'll probably win the lawsuit and they'll probably get a big piece of it yep i'm sure i'm sure although uh i guess lana del rey has threatened to uh just take it off the album i think it's like a hit though isn't it's a single right I'm not sure. She probably, I, I, there's no other way I would have ever listened to that Lana Del Rey song. So it might've been all like purposeful. (laughs) (laughs) Out with the conspiracy theories. (laughs) You know. Yeah, of course. (laughs) 
All right. Well, you got anything to add before we get right into it? I think we should get right into it. All right. Let's get into it. So uh, we decided that for our very first episode, we weren't going to shy away. We're going to go right after it. And the we're ancient gonna, argument. Yeah, the ancient argument. The biggest argument in rock and roll history, I would say. Which is, of course, the Beatles versus the Rolling Stones. You like the Beatles, and I like the Stones. But those are just records that are parasomes. I can't believe those things I've said. I blame the other Russians, love to the heads. You like the Beatles, and I like the Stones. But those are just records that are parasomes. I pulled you down. So that was Art Brute, which is a great band everyone should check out. And that song is What a Rush from their album Art Brute vs. Satan. So I've actually heard that before. Have you? Yeah. All right. So at the outset, I'm going to say on this one that I love both of these bands. And in all honesty, it just depends on when you ask me. So at the end of this, when we each pick which one we like better, I could go either way. You know, in some ways, it's a tough comparison because, you know, the Stones kept going a lot longer than the Beatles. Yeah, that's true. Um, But if the Stones had quit, when the Beatles did, it would be an even tougher argument for me. Yeah. Right. The Beatles get a little bit great on an on a curve just because they were only like in the public consciousness between like, I mean, they'd been together before it, but uh, basically like 1963 to 1969. And the Stones kept going long after their sell by date. And released a lot of stuff that's just absolute shit some of it's fun shit some of it's fun shit you know i i dig go ahead soup but you know like not nearly as good as it was and i i also think that if the beatles had stuck together i mean because some of the stuff that john lennon put out and uh even paul mccartney put out in the 70s and we're doing that next week by the way that's a whole nother argument (laughs) yeah it is a lot of the stuff that they put out was pretty shit in the 70s so and i mean i don't even i i don't like let it be so i can appreciate certain aspects of it but what about the let it be naked version yeah i've heard that it's all right it's pretty cool i i like i don't hate it i mean (laughs) don't let me down is like one of the best Beatles songs of all time, I think. Yeah, that's a good tune. That's a good tune. The other thing I, I wanted to bring it up that kind of makes it also a little uh, bit of a difficult comparison is that the Beatles, I mean, they, they liked the blues too, um, but they were more into like early rock and roll, like uh, Carl Perkins and Elvis and uh, Buddy Holly and that kind of stuff. Um, and Paul, of course, what he was into all kinds of other stuff like show tunes and stuff like that, which 
led to some disastrous results with the Beatles, actually. Um, <laughs> and the Stones, I mean, they liked the rock and roll stuff, too, but their main thing that they were into was, like, Muddy Waters and B.B. King and all that uh, Chicago blues kind of stuff. So, yeah, they were probably the first British blues band. Yeah. Cultural appropriation. There, there were so many better British blues bands, like Fleetwood Mac and Black Cat Bones and Free. Yeah, I could maybe see that, but they were also a great uh, rock and roll band. I mean, they were larger than life. You got to give them credit for that, right? Oh, yeah, and, and, and I really like their popish 60s songs, like This Could Be The Last Time and... Uh, Mother's Little Helper, and the you know the more popular, modier stuff. They they kind of dip their toes in a lot of different things, which is cool. But I just never like fell completely in love with it like I did with most of the Beatles catalog. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> if you don't uh, fall in love with most of the Beatles catalog, I think there's something wrong with you. Uh, and yeah, some mean, people some people just hate on the Beatles because it's like. I don't know, subversive or whatever. Yeah, I think it's like a like hipster thing to do. Um, and I mean, they they were the first boy band. I mean, we have to blame the existence of like crafted, shitty pop boy bands on the existence of the popularity of the Beatles. That's absolutely true, uh, and I agree with that. But on the other hand, like uh, I want to hold your hand. She oh, loves yeah. you. Yeah, I mean, those are great That's just fucking awesome. songs. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I love I love early Beatles versus late Beatles. I mean, that that would almost be its own argument: late Beatles versus early Beatles. But but I love both both periods for sure. Yeah, that would definitely be a uh, a completely separate argument. Um, in fact, even uh, mid period Beatles. Yeah, actually, I'd, I mean, I'd, I'd pick Revolver probably as my favorite Beatles album. Yeah, that's my number two. Um, I'd put Rubber Soul up top, actually. Which is the one with Tomorrow Never Knows? I always get the two of them confused. Revolver. Yeah, that's my favorite. Yeah, yeah, that one's really good. Uh, <laughs> in fact... But uh, yeah, Rubber Soul's up there for me, too. In fact, uh, famously, and I think this is probably like a, a legend, like this probably didn't actually happen quite the way that the story goes. Supposedly, um, the Beatles put out Revolver, and Brian Wilson heard it, and was like, oh, we need to top this. Yeah, he's this. like, I gotta top this. Yeah, so they put out Pet Sounds. And to and that the Beatles point, heard that? Yeah, and to that point, I, I think it's true. Um, the, part, the part I think is probably a legend is that, so Brian Wilson um, started to record the response to Sgt. Pepper and collapsed under nervous strain and went nuts for... Uh, I mean, it's mostly true too. Well, he did go nuts. That's true. Um, I think and that was, was the the Smile album. Yeah, yeah, which is really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I think it was probably more likely that he already had that kind of uh, predilection, and then he was taking lots of LSD and smoking lots of weed. Oh yeah, I don't. I don't think it was just the pressure of trying to top Sergeant Pepper. That that probably just didn't help. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, stress definitely wouldn't help with that. Um, yeah, so uh, when I was like uh, younger, 
when I was a youngin, uh, and was first when getting I into was young boy. when I was first getting into drugs and whatnot. Um, I definitely was way of, uh, a bigger fan of the uh, late Beatles, um, and I actually yeah, include... Beatles are Beatles are good drug music. And They're very Stones good. Stones are like the, the bad drug music. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I would. Stones are like heroin and cocaine, and Beatles are like acid and pot. Yeah, and we'll get into that part too. Um, so yeah, I'd get higher and uh, throw some headphones on, put on Sgt. Pepper or the White Album or whatever, um, and I kind of uh, I had that kind of snobby attitude about uh, the early Beatles stuff. That, oh yeah, that was just pop and shit. <laughs> And then later on, once I got more into uh, 60s pop and even just pop in general, and I guess I got older and understood, uh, yeah, I liked uh, the early Beatles as well. Those were amazing songs. And uh, the middle period, um, I really liked because that's when they really got like... uh, like they kind of brought it all together. Like they had the the pop with the great hooks, great harmonies, great melodies, and they were a super tight band. Yeah, I think it was when they realized they could do whatever the hell they wanted to do. Yep. And in fact, I, I would even argue that uh, A Hard Day's Night is the first album uh, of what we think of today as an album. Yeah, I mean, I'd have to, like, think about that, but probably so. I, I can't think of anyone before it that it was, like, a, a coherent whole, you know? It wasn't just, like, uh, here are the singles, and then we're going to cover a couple songs that other people wrote that you already know. But does A Hard Day's Night count since it's a soundtrack? Yeah, it still counts. It still yeah, I know. Counts. <laughs> it's a good movie, too. That's the thing. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't enjoy the uh, Rolling Stones movies nearly as much as the Beatles movies. No, well, Help's not very good. Um, Yellow Submarine is awesome. Yellow Submarine's pretty good. Magical Mystery Tour is a fucking abortion. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I did like, uh, is it Gimme Shelter? Is that the documentary uh, that leads up to Altamont? That's the name of it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, the only one I can good. think of specifically is uh, Rock and Roll Circus, which was more just like performances and Cocksucker Blues, which is the unreleased documentary. <laughs> yeah, I was planning on bringing that one up, in fact. Yeah, that was, uh, in case anyone doesn't know what Andy was referring to there, that was the rather infamous documentary where uh, the Rolling Stones hired... Uh, remember the guy's name is it david you watched it alan frick no i've never seen it i still have never seen it's it pretty, have you? it's pretty wild <laughs> lots of uh, groupies shooting heroin yeah groupies shooting heroin uh mick snorting coke yeah that's all in there yeah yeah and so of course when uh he showed them the footage they're like no you can't put this out <laughs> <laughs> sued them uh, 
and they have an agree they came to an agreement that uh uh they could show it as long as the director was present. Yeah, well, it's out there now. Is it? Is it on torrent? Yeah, you can find it. All right. So, if if you guys know how to use torrent, you could probably look that up if you are interested in seeing that. I plead the fifth. <laughs> so yeah, and I'd I think I'd also be with you that uh, I like. Uh, like aftermath, um, between the buttons, the stones. Earlier. I only know the singles, really. Yeah, and it, well, those are like the ones you mentioned were the like singles from that period. Um, gotcha. Uh, I am waiting. That's a really good song. Um, Nineteen nervous breakdown. Get off my cloud. Oh, yeah, I think that's all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, uh, those are good. Although. I do also really like uh, their late 60s um, period when they did get uh, heavier and more bluesy um, after they brought in Mick Taylor. Um, I liked that a lot. Like I, It was a little over the, over the top, but I don't think they were completely wrong in billing themselves as the greatest rock and roll band in the world. Um, up through about uh, Exile. Um, and then yeah, I'd they, say live on stage at that point in time, since um, Deep Purple hadn't really come into their own yet, they could they could maybe back up that claim. Yeah, it, it wasn't an empty boast by any means. Um, and then after that, they went severely downhill for reasons we'll probably get into as well. Um, Although I, I do have to say, uh, when the Stones had... King Crimson opened for them, which was Crimson's first big show ever. The Stones definitely were in awe of Crimson and, and were probably thinking twice about that whole greatest rock and roll band thing. No, I, King Crimson were definitely better musicians than them, for sure. <laughs> in fact, other than uh, Mick Taylor, at least of the lineup at that point, none of them were really exceptional musicians. Um, Charlie Watts was okay. Um, Brian Wyman Jones was, was pretty okay. good, but they had to go off and kill him. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of murder and mystery surrounding both the Stones and the Beatles. Well, I know there is about the Rolling Stones. There's murder mysteries about the Beatles as well. You know about Paul is dead. Well, yeah, I mean, but that's... Nonsense. Well, supposedly, you know, his replacement is a mass murderer for government organizations. Really? I hadn't heard that one. You dug yeah, deeper that, into... That uh... that's, that's deep down the rabbit hole. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not surprisingly, you've dug deeper into the uh, Beatles conspiracy theories. Uh, I'm not saying I believe or oh, agree with any yeah. of that, but it's, it's, out it's there. interesting to read about. Yeah, it's out there. It's definitely out there. That's been there. Since, I know people uh, that do believe that shit. Big time. Really? I haven't, I haven't met one in the wild. They're um, good friends of mine, so I'm not going to say too much about it. All right, cool. <laughs> Hopefully <laughs> they'll be listening. So <laughs> Probably not. Um, although it is true, because I tested it uh, 
back when like uh, Windows ninety five was first coming out, so this technology was available. I did uh, start playing stuff backwards. Yeah, and it it does in fact sound exactly like Paula's Dead Man. Miss him, miss him. Oh yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. And Revolution Nine backwards is uh, turn me on, Dead Man. Turn yep. me on, Dead Man. Yep. And then, and then, I mean, throw all the conspiracies aside. How could you forget the whole Charles Manson Beatles connection? Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> Damn. I'm like I said, a lot of my, uh, duties murder as a, as and mystery host, yeah. and intrigue surrounding the Beatles and Stones. Yeah, yeah. Helter Skelter, of course. Uh, most people probably know this, but in case anyone doesn't. And uh, Altamont. Yeah. Yeah, Altamont. Uh, Helter Skelter, of course, was what Charlie Manson was convinced was going to be the race war that they were going to kick off by uh, killing everyone at Sharon Tate's house. They didn't the know it was Sharon Tate's house. Yes, they were. And uh, the law <laughs> Bianca murders. And that's, a, that's another connection with a different band, actually, is Charles Manson actually lived with... Uh, which Wilson? Dennis Wilson. Dennis Wilson. Yep. Yeah, the whole Beach Boys thing. Yep. Yeah. He was going to get him a record deal. Yeah. Yep. There's a whole bunch of weirdness with that whole Laurel Canyon musician scene. Yep. There definitely was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I was saying. So I, I really like the Rolling Stones early period. I probably like it the best. And then I did like their late 70s period where uh, there is the one more into the blues. That's where I'm going with it. There's the one Stones album. One. Right. But, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Your favorite album, um, which Satanic I like Satanic Majesties. Yeah. Their Satanic Majesties request, which I like. It's your favorite Rolling Stones album. And lots of people think it's total shit and i do not understand that because that's like the only stones album that i've fallen in love with on the level with a beatles album or other bands that i really really like yeah i think i it might just be as simple of uh, a thing as that on the cover you know they wore costumes and uh which was after sergeant pepper came out and then who cares it was, about the cover yeah, I know. I know. I agree. <laughs> and then it was like vaguely psychedelic. And there there was definitely some psychedelia on there. Um, oh, yeah. But I think like people were at the time were like, uh, oh, they're just uh, trying to copy the Beatles and co-op the whole psychedelia thing. And to some extent, that initial in- impression just kind of stuck, which doesn't make any sense because I mean, there's like uh yeah i mean i get it I get, I get those criticisms but they're wrong yeah they are i mean uh she comes in colors everywhere uh <laughs> you're 2000 miles some from home like psychedelic gobbledygook but it's fucking great yeah they're good tunes they're good tunes i even like uh the parts at uh, the opening and closing uh, of the album where they just play the, like, uh, drunken uh, dinner party chatter. Yeah. That's even fun. I think it's Mellotron samples. Well, you'd know better than I. I don't, I don't know shit about <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> Here's another interesting fact for you. All right. Hit Kiss me. cover. 
Kiss covered a song off of uh, Satanic Majesties. Which one? 2000 Man. Did they? They probably actually made it slightly more famous than the Stones ever did since it's a pretty obscure Stones song. It is an obscure Stones song. Uh, they do it justice? Well, they do it more Kiss style, of but it's an A song. So it's, it's yeah, it's pretty badass. Right on. Yeah. And then I recorded a version of it that's kind of halfway between the Stones version and the Kiss version. Well, you should send me a link, it's actually, like, to that. It's kind of like a Doom Rock 2000, man. Yeah. Is that online? Probably not. I'll have to send it to you. Cool, cool. I would like to hear that, actually. That'd be interesting. I have obscure tracks, too. <laughs> <laughs> the deep B-sides. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, that's that's a really good album, and uh, just if you like music, you would like Satanic Majesties. You know, just don't think of it as a Rolling Stones album, or a or a sixty psychedelic album. Just think of it in, as an album yeah. on its own terms, and just listen to it for the songs. Because if you don't look at the cover, it's pretty timeless. Yeah, I, I agree. Definitely, there's some great stuff on there. Uh, but I still would have to give it to the Beatles. As much as I love Satanic Majesties. Well, it's, it's, it's pretty tough to beat the Beatles. I mean, the early albums weren't exactly fantastic um, because nobody really did albums back then. Um, but they had great songs on them. Um, then they put out uh, Hard Day's Night. Great album. Put out... Was Beatles for Sale in between... Hard Day's Night. It helps in there somewhere, too. Yeah. I, th- I think... They Help... were re- releasing, like, two a year, and they yeah. came out real fast. Yep. And touring constantly. Yep. They were doing lots of speed, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then uh, Help came out. That's great. Rubber Soul is great. Beatles for Sale is not the best, but... Every Beatles fan just kind of... Yeah, there's some... Okay, stuff. On Every it. Beatles album has some good stuff on it. Yeah, there's definitely some good stuff on it, but there weren't any. I don't think like great songs. I'd have to look at the song list. Um, All those early albums run together. Yeah, and then Rubber Soul. Like I said, that's my favorite Beatles album. I think. Um, then Revolver, Sgt. Pepper, uh, Magical Mystery Tour. That also has some filler, but it also has some great songs on it. Um, I mean, even some of that filler, like Blue Jay Way and Flying, is pretty damn sweet. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of those ones. But... Mm-hmm. Listen to it with your new headphones. <laughs> I've heard it on headphones, man. I've heard <laughs> it on headphones on acid. Uh, yeah, and then the White Album, great. Abbey Road, which was actually, of course, their last recorded album. Um, that's great. I'd probably pick that one as my favorite. Yeah, and I wouldn't begrudge you any. That's fantastic. And uh, isn't... uh, This is from the back recesses of my mind, so forgive me if I'm incorrect, but uh, isn't I Want You, She's So Heavy, one of, if not your favorite Beatles song? Yeah, it would would be up there. Just because that riff is so undeniable. It's like the creation of Doom Rock right there. And then that whole like swirly 
reverse swirl out of it at the end that's like mind-blowing stuff yeah and it's an achievement because the song um lyrically is just john saying the same thing over and over again Um, pretty passionately yeah extremely passionately Um, (laughs) obviously it was about yoko um wanted him some yoko slash maybe heroin um maybe maybe uh your blues i'd like to think it was yoko yeah it's more romantic that way Uh, (laughs) your blues is on abbey road too right uh was that let it be uh, no that's let it be oh is it okay well i i really like that one on let it be uh as we discussed already on i'm not the biggest let it be fan but uh i don't got a lot of good stuff yeah so that's that's like an amazing run of releases i don't think any band in history like can match that output in such a short period of time um but as we discussed earlier we there's no way of knowing um if they stuck together if uh they could have kept that up whereas the rolling stones did keep going and what happened was they all to varying degrees got heavily heavily into drugs in the early 70s most especially um of course i don't think this is news to anyone um keith richards gave did a lot of drugs <laughs> and but he got all those blood transfusions <laughs> well it's like uh it's like the bill hicks joke uh i'm picturing after uh nuclear war it's just gonna be keith and bugs <laughs> yeah where did everybody go <laughs> i saw a bright light i thought we were on keith <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was very unfortunate for the Rolling Stones because, like, pretty much all the uh, classic Rolling Stone songs, you know, that's what that's what you hear. Yeah. So he became a heroin junkie and just really couldn't write anymore. Just didn't come up with anything. Um, Honky tonk woman. Yeah, that, that, like, there was some good stuff, like, right when he first got, like, I think up to uh, Exile on Main Street, like I said, I think they were still really good. But even even Exile on Main Street, that's kind of like, uh, I don't know, two to three minute snippets that they recorded, like, very loosely, just kind of fucking around in the studio. Yeah, I did listen to that album once, and it seemed pretty disjointed and all over the place yeah there's a lot of good uh ideas on there intermittently there's some good stuff but yeah there's no like uh coherent great songs or anything there's no what you would think of as like a classic rolling stones song on there and there's nothing like that and then uh, after that he just he was basically like just broken but they kept going despite that i guess just out of inertia, out of greed, I don't know. Like uh, probably for not knowing reason. anything else to do, and yeah, yeah, keeping the business machine rolling. Yeah, and uh, of course, much like the Beatles, here's a, another Beatles Rolling Stone uh, connection. 
not only did Alan Klein screw the Beatles out of their uh, songwriting rights, he also screwed the Rolling Stones out of their songwriting rights. So they probably needed to do it just to eat, even. That too, yeah. Most musicians in the 70s got screwed over pretty hard. Yep. Well, in the 70s? <laughs> and further on, but definitely the, the 70s they were, was when they were, you know, thinking they they were rich and owning houses and cars and all of it was being rented to them from their management who was taking all their money. Yep. Yep. That's exactly what happened. That's a true story, kids. Um, <laughs> and then... What was it? 1979, I think? Inexplicably, somehow, the Rolling Stones came out with what, to me, is a great album. You might not agree. They put out Some Girls. That's the disco one, right? Well, one song's disco. Yeah, <laughs> the title track was disco. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's some great stuff on that, though. I, I like that I whole just, song. I don't know if I've heard it or not. Probably haven't, yeah. I may have in a record store somewhere, but like not remember it. I've never had any desire to hear it. Yeah, and it's it's not essential or anything. It's not like uh, Abbey Road or uh, Rubber Soul. That's just whenever I got curious with the Stones and to explored more, I was always like, meh. Yeah, and I, you know, I can respect that. Um, like, I, it doesn't make sense, like. To me, like in my head, you know, I love the Rolling Stones so much. How can you not like them? Um, but it, it's not just me or not just you. Excuse me. I've heard that lots of times from lots of people that love music, big music fans. And for whatever reason, like uh, the Rolling Stones just don't really move them all that much. Although it's weird if I if I hear their influence in something that I like, I kind of think it's cool. Like, there's a song on the um, last Dean Ween album that's got very Stones-ish groove. And I thought, I was like, yeah, that's really fucking cool, man. <laughs> and, of course, uh, Deaner and Ween themselves, if if they set out to uh, ape somebody, they they nail it. Exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah Although that's not really the aim. But we'll talk about that in the Ween episode. All right. <laughs> we will we'll save I can, save that we'll I hold can go it for back. a while on that so. <laughs> it's good stuff either way um, yeah definitely and I guess hmm, this isn't the radio you're so. talking about oh go ahead how much you loved the uh, 79 album some girls yeah I, I think I said uh, what I had to say about that um, it was pretty good I inexplicable out of nowhere um and then after that they just sucked everything they've put out since then has sucked in fact it's kind of like uh if the rolling stones release an album and i think this has been true for at least 20 years um or more actually now that i think about it if the rolling stones put out an album the only cultural impact of that whatsoever is that they're about to tour again Right, and then it's just like, wow, they're so old and they're touring again. Yep. <laughs> they're like 75 years old. Uh, but that's good, though, because that keeps all the other bands behind them playing as well. That's true. 
And uh, I bet uh, whoever opens for him gets a nice cut, I would hope, anyway. They're probably paying for that spot. You think? With that much exposure? Sure. Hmm. Could be. You'd know more How about that works. when I would. Hmm. Interesting. If it's beneficial for your business, it's going to cost you. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that is advertising, for sure. On a, yeah. on a grand scale, because uh, yeah. the Rolling Stones play stadiums. They don't play uh, your local arena. I think in the Stones case, though, they might like handpick bands they like, and they might get paid a little bit. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I don't know. Maybe. Who knows? Could be either way. So, uh, anything you want to bring up about either the Stones or the Beatles? trying to think of you know i've been thinking about the beatles and stones all day in between football but um you know i just the beatles were one of the first bands i heard i have like definite recollections of listening to beatles at like age two and for the longest time up until probably age five or so my favorite song would was uh revolver but i would listen to the 45 on 78 speed <laughs> <laughs> right which on. probably explains a lot of my love for ween why they're one of my favorite bands that would, ex- <laughs> but, that would explain it that would explain it exactly manipulated tape speed beatles hey but yeah the beatles have always been a part of my life uh as long as i can remember and i've always enjoyed listening to them yeah and, uh, never burnt out on any of it yeah and i uh I actually also, uh, even being raised Mormon in Twin Falls, Idaho, um, I actually also got into the uh, Beatles very young because my mom had uh, on vinyl the original U.S. version of uh, Meet the Beatles. And I guess she didn't realize that that might be worth money or something. Um, (laughs) So she would play it. And I loved it. I loved it. Even as a little, little, little kid. That was probably not the first band that I fell in love with, but uh, the first band that I fell in true love with, like when I was a teenager, you know, when you first start uh, really solidifying your uh, musical taste. Yeah. Um, The Stones kind of came later. Yeah, the Stones came later, and and it was really just that one album for me that that I ever connected with at all, and then a handful of songs. So, Beatles win. I was gonna say I don't think there's much question which way you were going with that. Yeah. If we did this again next week, I might uh, go the other way, but I'm gonna concur. I'm going to also say the Beatles. The Beatles were better than the Rolling Stones. Yeah. All right. We're in agreement. All right. <laughs> so uh, you got anything to add before we head out? I think that's it. All right. We will be back uh, next week with uh, John Lennon solo versus Paul McCartney and Paul McCartney and Wings. So that should be a good one. Yeah, that should be an excellent one. I'm I'm actually really looking forward to that one. So uh, join us next time. Bye. Bye.